Welcome to the Master's Method podcast, hosted by Zisser Customs Law Group. As experts in global trade, they will share valuable trade compliance and supply chain security information, along with the latest trade news, in a unique format that is easy to understand, use, and apply. They are going to simplify those complex topics, operational challenges, and difficult issues better than anyone else. Hey, Juan, you know, one of the biggest issues out there is really documenting and defending your classification. That's a pretty important issue, isn't it? Oh, my God, Steve. It's very, very important because one of the first questions that customs ask in a classification verification is the classic question of how did you arrive there? How did you arrive at that classification? Tell me your logic, your support for how you arrive at that classification. So you better have something in your files to show how you determine that classification. Very, very important and a huge part of an audit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Master's Method Podcast. I'm Steve Zisser, a customs attorney, and I specialize exclusively in the area of import and export law and supply chain security. And joining me in our podcast today is our good friend, Juan Moreno. Hi, Juan. Hi, Steve. I'm the Director of Trade Compliance here at Zisser Group, where I've been here for the last 12 years. Originally started working for a maquilador in a brokerage company a few years back. And I'm excited to be joining you, Steve, today for this important topic. Well, today's trade compliance topic is going to be about what we call the Master's Method ATS Classification Defender Tool. Uh, as Juan just said, defending, backing up your classification is critical. You need to document your classification results. So what I'm going to share with you today in this very short session is sort of talk about the defender tool and what that kind of looks like and what information that you should be placing as you're documenting your classification and certainly ultimately why it's so important to document each and every classification as you assign it. So the first question really is what is a defender tool? Well, all a defender tool really is, it's a document, a form. Now we typically recommend that you don't actually use a piece of paper, but we certainly do recommend that you at least have it on maybe on an Excel spreadsheet or some other format more electronically. Uh, that's usually a much better approach than, than a document, but you wanna have some kind of defending mechanism, a defending mechanism. And one, you know, you're right. We don't really care about the format, but they gotta have something, don't they? They definitely got to get something, and I agree with you, the ideal format and probably the more user-friendly format to create for this would be an Excel spreadsheet. The key to that spreadsheet is just having the correct columns to identify the who, when, and how they did it, but definitely it's key. And something that's also very important, it doesn't matter how simple the classification is. If mm -hmm. it's an EO classification, that's what you want to document. But that's how you arrive at that classification. So don't think that you need to document only your complicated technical classifications. In theory, you need to support every classification that you report to U.S. Customs. I, I totally agree with you. Every time you assign a classification, absolutely, you do want to document it. So as we said, the method, the format isn't so as critical as capturing certain data elements. Whether you yes. do that in a manual format or electronic format, that's okay but typically I would like more of an electronic format. So the question really is what kind of information, Juan, when you think about the information, what are the key data elements you absolutely wanna capture in a good defender tool format? Okay, let's go over those. In my opinion, probably the most important one is who did it? Who is the person that assigned that classification? That's probably number one. 
Second to that is when, when did this classification occur? And what I mean by that is the specific date as to when that classification was assigned. And finally, how they did it. It's very, very important to identify how they arrived at that classification, whether they applied what we call an early trigger, whether they did some data and attribute sources to basically identify that, that, uh, that criteria that was needed for that item, uh, the difference between identifying a simple versus a complex classification, you wanna make sure that you mark that as such, one or the other. And also, if it is indeed a complex classification, like we covered in our, in our master's method training, there's a lot of resources, if I remember correctly, 13 resources that one can utilize to determine your classification. Some more important than others, but at the end of the day, there's 13 sources out there that really help you classify. Okay, Finally, one, so, let, yes. so let's, let's go over, let's actually go over some of these in a little sure. bit more detail. Let's start about those, those early triggers. Now, the early triggers, like you mentioned, that's kind of the first step. And basically, that's identifying what rule you actually use to assign your classification. Many of you might be thinking of the GRIs, the general rules of interpretation. Well, essentially, that's what this area is. What rule did you use? Did you use the parts rule? Did you use the EO rule? Did you use the finished good rule? Did you use a set rule? Uh, did you use the incomplete unfinished rule? There's only a really a handful of rules that you could actually apply. But in this first step, you want to identify what rule, what essentially, what GRI for some of you who are working with GRIs, what did you use, Juan? That really is a very critical piece because that way we know what path they're essentially going down. Exactly, Stephen. As you'd called it out, each of those early triggers has a flow. They have an order that you must follow in order to determine how you need to address that classification. You're absolutely right. So that's the first thing because we want to know really where you are and whether you use our method, which mm -hmm. is sort of our early trigger approaches or you use GRIs, that's okay too. But you do want to really document what you use. I think our method is certainly way simpler, but that's an area you have to do it. The second area that's really critical is data and attribute sources. And what we mean by that is <clears throat> where did you get the information to assign your classification? Because many times, remember, you might just have a description. Is that all you used? Or did you go out to drawings? Did you go talk to an engineer? Did you go out and talk to a vendor? Um, where did you get your information from? You need to document that because remember, the information you got is going to impact your classification. If you get good information, most likely you'll get a better classification. But what if you got bad information? What if you relied on an old drawing, but you didn't know that? Document that you relied on a drawing. If you reached out to a particular engineer or somebody in purchasing or somebody in a different department, and you asked them questions and they gave you information about that product, document that you talked to, you know, Mark over in engineering, he gave you this information, document that. If he sent you an email with information, perhaps you could attach that. But it's really important for the classifier to tell us where they got their information from to support their classification. And, and then pay, we get in, Juan, go ahead. Yes, and I'd like to just add something to that. And, they, and pay very close attention to those emails or those communications that you received that really help you answer one of the classification questions that you were looking for. 
Mm. For example, voltage, uh, uh, frequency, some of those attributes that really tell you, okay, it should go here versus over there. Those are the attributes that really matter for at, at the end of the day for determining the correct classification. We're not saying go document everything, just the ones that really exactly. matter from a classification perspective. That's a great, that's a great point. You're right. We always typically say what you're documenting and what you're saying you got is mm -hmm. those relevant exactly. attribute sources, yes. the ones you really needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not everything, but when you're going out and collecting information and gathering, you certainly want to log that in. That's right. Now the next piece, obviously, and, and one kind of alluded to it is mm -hmm. we generally recommend that you kind of organize your classifications into whether they're simple or complex. And all we mean by that is if they're simple, you kind of know exactly what they are. You can interpret them. The language is very clear and easy to understand and you simply classify them. And they're usually much faster. If they're complex, you want to document that and say it's complex because if it's complex, generally you're going to have to go, go out and have to do a lot more research and analysis. And Juan talked about that a while ago. He mentioned about those 13 legal resources. Well, most of you won't use 13 legal resources to research. Most of you are going to use the more common ones like uh, cross, uh, explanatory notes, uh, ICP publications, um, maybe the internet. You're going to use some of these core things again and again and again. And if it's complex, you definitely want to record those. If it's simple, you don't need to use cross. You don't need to use explanatory notes. It's simple. But if it's complex, you're most likely going to use those resources and you want to record that. If you relied on a ruling, mark that down. If you relied on an explanatory note, mark that down. Like Juan said earlier, it's about who did it, when they did it, and how they did it. The idea is we want to be able to go back and understand exactly what that person was thinking at the moment they did it. And Juan, one of my favorite attributes of all that I like on this form is confidence level. And why is that important? Well, because it really tells you, you know, that basically the level of confidence that the individual has in determining that classification. You want that confidence level, obviously, to be as high as possible. Uh, if it's low or, you know, in between, that's when you start thinking of, you know, possible ruling situation exactly. or, or other type of research that you need to do. But definitely, I agree with you. Confidence level, very, very strong. And you want that confidence to be as high as possible to give you the certainty that you're doing things right. Yeah, we definitely like to put that into the format because it's also a good audit tool for a lot of you that if you put in high confidence, generally it's lower risk, don't necessarily mm -hmm. need to audit it. But if it's low confidence, like Juan said, you may want to re-audit that, reevaluate that, have somebody else on the team take a look at it. Or like Juan said, maybe get a ruling even because your confidence is low. That's certainly a good reason to maybe get a ruling. Record that. It's a really good approach in doing this. So Early triggers, identify those kind of early triggers that you're working with, those GRI rules, identify your data and attribute sources, identify whether it's simple or complex. If it's complex, you want to record those resources that you use, the cross, the explanatory notes, the ICP publication. And finally, you definitely want to record your confidence level. And typically the way I do it, high or low. Now, Juan, obviously, we said it a little bit earlier, documenting your classification is so critical because how many times have we seen that there's a classification that's been assigned and nobody knows where it came from? 
Oh, many times, Steve. In fact, when we go into a company and audit them or do an assessment of the operation, typically that's one of the first questions that we ask. Where did you assign that classification? And very commonly do we hear, uh, we don't know. <laughs> uh, they don't know. We've, been, we've been using it since 1982, yeah. right? <laughs> and we've never had a problem, which it's almost like they're saying, yeah, we've never had a problem and it's correct. But no, many times they've never had a problem yeah. because nobody has really looked at it in the way that they need to look at it. So um, yeah, it's definitely something that we've stumbled upon quite more often than we'd like to actually see, yeah. And, and, and certainly that's the one thing you're right. From a reasonable care perspective, you really have to not just classify it, you have to document it because by documenting it, you're, you're telling us, again, giving us all that relevant information of who did it, when they did it, how they did it. And even if it's wrong, at least you can demonstrate that you went through a process, you followed a method, you followed a technique. That is super, super critical. The other thing I think it's important about documentation is if you don't document it and somebody comes back to you six months later, are you gonna remember what you did? Of course not. No, you're gonna do basically what you did originally six months ago, which is reclassify that product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the way it, you know, it's, it, it usually happens. You get challenged by customs, you don't have your defender tool or your support for how you arrived at that classification. And now, oh my God, you're scrambling, figuring out what you did back then to arrive to that same exactly. classification. And which is almost impossible it's that almost many impossible. months yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. So definitely want to record it. Definitely very, very important. So what we talked about today, again, some pretty simple stuff. Number one, definitely you want to set up a defender and documentation tool. We talked about the elements that should be on that tool. Again, just yes. about five or six core elements. Mm -hmm. How you manage that format, that's all up to you guys. As I said, my recommendation is keep it more in a, a, a uh, automated type environment, electronic environment. Don't be working with pieces of paper. They're harder to manage. And finally, remember, it is such a critical part, part of the process. I always say that if you haven't documented it, you haven't classified it. It is one of the most critical, critical parts of the process. So, hey, I want to thank all of you for joining us today on the Master, Master's Method podcast. And thank you, Juan, uh, for sharing all that, uh, that information and your recommendation. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you, Steve. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Master's Method podcast. Zisser Customs Law Group is a full-service international trade law firm and a global leader in international trade compliance training. Be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not legal advice. If you have any questions or require additional support, please do not hesitate to contact us through our website at zissergroup.com or send us an email to solutions at zissergroup.com.